With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in to episode 149 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again. For the second time today by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, I'm just absolutely lovely, especially considering Kentucky just wrapped up its 11-point victory in Tuscaloosa over the Alabama Crimson Tide, winning 66-55. to uh, Sean, it was pretty much nothing what we talked about during the pregame show. Uh, it was a gutty gritty rock fight where both teams didn't shoot all that well Alabama shot historically bad Um, all the talk that I had about how poor the uh, Alabama front court was and how I wasn't impressed with Charles Bediaco and how this would be a fantastic opportunity for Oscar Shibway to thrive that didn't happen Uh, but still Kentucky manages to come out on top winning by 11 points against a very, very impressive Alabama team that's talented from top to bottom, A like we talked about during the pregame show, a top 25 net uh, win that's fantastic for the resume. Uh, just a phenomenal performance. Uh, not what we expected, but definitely uh, an impressive victory nonetheless. Sean, let's jump right into takeaways. What did you think of the win? Well, d- defensively, uh, Kentucky held Alabama to its lowest total in points, 55. Field goal percentage, uh, 28.1%, and then three-point percentage, 10%. Those are all lows for the season for Alabama. And in return, Kentucky jumps eight spots in Ken Palm defensive efficiency up to number 11 in the country. So you're talking fifth offensively, third overall, third, uh, third overall in Ken Palm, and 11th in defense. Those are elite numbers for Kentucky, and and they did that on the road, uh, a place where Alabama only lost once this year, and that was to Auburn. Uh, they beat Baylor there last weekend, and Kentucky goes in, and Alabama had that run early in the game, and at no point after that, once Kentucky took the lead in the first half, did you feel like Kentucky was going to lose? I, I said on the pregame show that I thought Kentucky would win by 10. I said I was more confident in this game than I had been in any of the ones in recent weeks, and I just thought that the way Alabama plays kind of plays into what Kentucky wants to do. 
Uh, Kentucky got out. They they scored in transition. Uh, they defended Alabama in transition very well, held the Crimson Tide to three of 30 from three. Just uh, another example of how they can win basketball games. They feel comfortable, Jack, scoring 90 on you, or they feel comfortable holding you to 55 and, and winning by 11. I mean, that's that's how good this team is right now. Yeah, I think Seth Davis tweeted after the game, this can, this team can beat you 95 to 90, or they can beat you 65 to 50. There's no in-between, or I mean, there is an in-between, but uh, that is just kind of the the range that this team has, however they want to beat you, however they want to lock in. Uh, we talked, Chin Coleman had that quote uh, last week where he talked about how he wants other t- other coaches to have nightmares trying to, to figure out what to do with this team. Look, in a game where they only scored 66 total points, Kentucky still had five different players finishing double figures, led by Ty Ty Washington with 15, his first double-digit performance since that Tennessee game uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, I mean, Sean, again, how do you beat this team when it's so well-rounded? Damian Collins had 10 points on two of three shootings, six of six from the line, six rebounds. Uh, you know, he had a phenomenal, phenomenal performance as well. I mean, how do you beat this team, Sean, when there are so many weapons for uh, for them to attack you with? They didn't even shoot all that well, shot 40% from the field, 24-60 overall, and then 36.4% uh, from three. Didn't shoot all that well, but still found a way to grind out another rock fight victory. Uh, Sean, I, I do want to ask, uh, because, you know, Part of it, obviously, it was a historically poor shooting performance for Alabama. You go look at the uh, advanced numbers. Uh, it was the first time a team missed 27 three-pointers against Kansas, uh, Kentucky since 2005 when West Virginia did that. Um, UK also had its best defensive field goal percentage of 28.1%, a true road game. Since 2015, that year was uh, pretty special. They held South Carolina on the road. Uh, 22.6% shooting, and no Power 5 team has shot worse than 3 of 30 from 3 since at least 2010. That's as far as the numbers go back. Was it just poor offense for Alabama uh, or just a a historically poor shooting performance, just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, or was it a a truly great defensive performance by Kentucky? I kind of think it was a mixture of both. I thought there were a lot of wide open misses uh, from Alabama, but I, I do think Kentucky did a lot of really, really good things defensively as well. Uh, kind of mucked up the game on their end. They're used to other teams doing that to them. I thought they did a really good job of making uh, making things ugly on their end as well. I, th- I think it was a mixture, but I also think at the same time that Kentucky did an excellent job getting a hand up and, and really, really good closeouts tonight as well. And, and I think that it's kind of the effect that Kentucky puts so much pressure on teams offensively that you spend a ton of time talking about how you stop Kentucky. And that kind of in, in return stops you because you're spending so much attention to detail. And okay, you, you can't lose Kellen Grady. You can't get him, let him get loose. When Kentucky went to their floppy action early there in the first half, you saw Nate Oates screaming, screaming and screaming when you're having to worry about all these other guys on the other team and how you stop them, I think it kind of gets you out of your rhythm offensively. We'd see Kentucky do that to a couple of teams. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch right now what Kentucky's doing. Yeah. And the way, uh, you know, Shackelford and, and Quinterly, two of the most dynamic guards in, in the SEC, uh, Combined for just 13 points, Sean, they they average a combined 32.4 points per game going into this game. Um, Jaden Shackelford 
averages 17.6 points per game on efficient shooting, 40.8% field goal, and 37.3% from the three. they combined for 13 points on four of 22 shooting, zero for, for 10 from three, five turnovers combined. Uh, Kentucky just completely locked them out of their game. And, and we talked, you know, this is a team that lives and dies by the three, uh, kind of lives and dies by their guard play. Uh, when their guards weren't working, then nothing else worked. And I know that uh, that Bediaco was kind of their only real semblance of an offense tonight. But uh, outside of that, I mean, the, the backcourt wasn't able to do anything. I thought it was just a tremendous job specifically on those two uh, in particular. I I thought Kentucky did a tremendous job guarding both of them. But I I do want to give credit where it is due, Sean, with Damian Collins and what impact he was able to make on such short notice. Because how many guys do you know can come in and make that type of immediate impact uh, basically on a hunch, on a last-second uh, hey, uh, Damien, we need you right now. Go in and make an impact. I mean, that there's no way that Cal and he said some weird stuff during his post game press conference that he had this vision or this dream about throwing lobs and how uh, they needed to incorporate Damien more into the game. And it was just kind of this aha epiphany for Coach Cal. It was kind of a weird way, but he said that he kind of had this idea earlier today leading up to it and said that he was going to call Damien's number uh, and on short notice. Damien comes in and he plays his butt off, Sean. He comes in 10 points, uh, six rebounds in the win. Cal says afterward, Damien Collins was the, was the difference maker. He played great, great defensively. I mean, just what, what can you say about that performance and how he was able to do uh, as much as he did on short order? He, he stayed ready. Uh, I think that's something that you, you want to talk about. I know we got asked today would him or Bryce Hopkins kind of carve out a role here down the stretch or is the rotation set in stone? And I mean, I still think the rotation is set for the bulk of minutes, but he saw something on tape that he really liked that he thought that Damian fit. And obviously it was the fact that, that Alabama kind of collapses on the ball and Kentucky can throw that to the rim. That's, that's not going to be Oscar Shibway catching some of those balls that Damian did tonight. Now I know Oscar got one at the end, uh, but And then you had the right guys getting downhill. Like, it's so much more effective when Tata Washington is running at the rim than it is Savir because Savir is not as much of a threat to shoot that little floater as Tata is. So I, I think that it was an excellent job that it was Tata majority of the time getting downhill. You saw Mintz do it once off one of those pitches. And uh, they, they saw something on tape. But credit to Damien for going in there and his free throw stroke. I mean, it, it looked <laughs> – it was perfect. And he's a guy that if can just – if he can just stay confident in his own mind and, and not let this freshman year kind of just engulf him, he's going to be okay. Like, there's a lot to like about his game, his skill set, the way he runs to the rim. He adds a different element that if, if you see something on tape, credit to Cal and his staff. They they found something, they saw something, and it worked. And, you know, he he, he did this with Marcus Lee. In 2014, he went to Marcus Lee and told him, you know, the whole country is going to be talking about you today. I don't think he went and said that to Damien, but he said he had a dream. He, he woke up and he thought, you know, Dame, this is going to be Damien's game. And credit to Cal, it, it worked. Yeah, and I, I do think a lot of that credit uh, does go. I mean, Oscar, I think this is now the second time this year that we've really seen Oscar struggle against length. Uh, where it, it, he really he was really bothered with length against Walker Kessler in that Auburn matchup. He got, to be totally honest, just absolutely destroyed in the pick and roll and, and got beat on 
backdoor lobs and and he just really really struggled against that length against Walker Kessler and I guess that's something that I didn't give enough credit for with Betty Aco going into it knowing that that's something that uh, Nate Oates said going into the game that he thought that Betty Aco would be a, an impact player in this matchup and he ended up being just that but uh, I, I do think I, I I'm curious, Sean, if that's something that now that both, I guess, the two longest, and I know earlier against uh, Western Kentucky, uh, he did well against length, and he did okay against Mark Williams to open the year against Duke, and I think those are the only two real uh, examples of long, you know, seven-footers going against him. I, I think those are the only two other real examples, but as of late, I think that has kind of been a, a clear mismatch that's not in Kentucky's favor that we, that that I'm, I'm curious if other teams are going to try to expose that uh, if they do have a, a length advantage down low, if they're going to try to expose that a little bit more. So uh, earlier when we were talking about Damian Collins not making an impact moving forward and Bryce Hopkins not making an impact moving forward, I am curious if now that we know that Oscar is a slight liability on, on that front, that maybe that's where Damian Collins does come in. And, uh, you know, Lance has kind of been that enforcer for, you know, foul trouble or whatever it is with with Oscar when he's needed a break. I wonder if Damian can now be that uh, that length thread if there's a you know a seven footer or whatever, a guy that can beat Oscar in that pick and roll and on backdoor lobs and and so on. I I, I do wonder if that's going to be where Damian can make an impact down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I I, I just. Tip of the cap to Damian and uh, uh, for him to step up when when Oscar was struggling a little bit. I just thought uh, the absolute world of his performance. Yeah, he, he was fantastic, and they're just completely different players. You know, Oscar's going to beat and bang with you and and try to score through you, and Damian's going to try to do it over top of you. And and I think the thing with Oscar going against length is he's got to start dunking the ball more, in my opinion. And some of those, I know he had a stretch there where. Kentucky was up six. I believe it was 39 to 33. He had two easy plays there at the rim and, and couldn't get them to go. And on the flip side of that, Alabama gets a run out and cuts the game to four. That's a huge four-point swing. Luckily, it didn't hurt Kentucky, and Kentucky is able to win the game. But you get into an NCAA tournament setting, and, and he misses one of those, and a, and a team gets a run out, and it's a four-point swing, depending on what, what point in the game. I mean, it, it could be a critical blow to you. So I think you want to see Oscar – start to go over top and dunk the ball more. I think he's capable of doing that, uh, showing really, really improved footwork. Uh, I believe he's eventually now becoming a right shoulder, left shoulder scorer. He can go each way. I'm not too worried about him, Jack, because I just think that he still found a way to be effective. I mean, he got the 15 rebounds. He, he got the 10 points. He had his double-double. I mean, we're talking about a game that is, uh, for a lot of people, would be a career night. And it's just an average night or below <laughs> average night for all. It's not even an average night for Oscar Sheboy. And he has the 17th double double of the year. But I mean, the, the length is concerning. But I think that he still finds ways to be effective. And I think as the year goes along, he'll he'll end up having a game, a really good game against some length. And but credit to Damian Collins for coming in and being effective. If they don't have him, they don't win the game. I mean, they had five guys get double figures. Ty Ty got to 15. And then four got the 10, just the balance. And it's it's a different guy. It's a different guy every single game. Yeah, and I do want to point out again, Sean, four steals for Oscar. This is a dude that is 
I, I, I want to get an updated look at the, the total steals number, but I know he's on pace right now to finish top 10 in single, in single season uh, steals. And, and I don't, I think if he finished on pace, I, I think three on average two or three to close out the year, he was going to finish for sure in that top, top 10, especially among centers for sure. The, the what he's able to do where he's jumping the passing lanes and poking balls loose it's unreal how talented he is as a steel artist we we rarely see that from the center position uh, i know nerland's noel was fantastic doing that uh, and kind of as that sneaky steel guy but goodness gracious oscar's fantastic on that front yeah he's he's leading the team right now with 44 steals <laughs> On the air. Think about that. So the guy that's in second place, Kentucky has two. It's Tata Washington with 28 and uh, Savir Wheeler with 28. So uh, Oscar Sheboy, not only in contention for SEC Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, but I, I think he's in contention for SEC Defensive Player and National Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he's he's making an impact, and that's what you look for. Like, is your Player of the Year in college basketball just scoring points? No, he's scoring points. He's he's getting rebounds. He's getting steals. He'll he'll block a shot here or there, and just he's he does a lot. And I know he's not the story tonight, but he still manages to get his numbers right. I mean, fifteen rebounds right out of season season average, and he's he's at ten points. He he got a double double, even on a night where he most people would say that it was a significant off night for him. Yeah, I, I'm looking up the uh, the official. Single season steal record. Um, let's see. He has 44 now on the year, which the number. So there's a tie for number nine between Jared Prickett, Ron Mercer, and John Wall with 66 on the year. So I think and those were those 38 games, 40 games, 38 games. Uh, they they all average one point between one point seven and one point eight steals per game. Oscar's on pace to break that, and I believe uh, steals per game. I wonder what that breakdown is. Forty four steals divided by let's see how many games have we played. 18, 18 and four, 22, steal, 22 games. So right at two steals per game, Sean. So he is actually on pace right now. If he finishes out the year like this, he is on pace to finish number nine in Kentucky basketball history <laughs> in single steals behind Rajon Rondo. <laughs> <laughs> Beating Wayne Turner and Tony Delk. Is that not just the dumbest stat on the planet? <laughs> God. God. Yeah, man. It, and you mentioned Nerlens a minute ago. And if he had, if Nerlens doesn't get hurt, where does he finish that year? Uh, so he, he averaged 2.083 steals per game for 50 on the year in 24 games. So if, yeah. if Oscar finishes with six in the next two games, or I guess seven in the next two games, he will officially pass Nerlens for the, the average um, cause he did that in 24, 50 and 24 games. So if he breaks that, then he'll, he'll break Nerland's average and, and there's not another center on that list at all. I mean, 
of course not. Why would there be a center? Because that's not a normal thing. What Oscar is doing every night is not a normal thing. We're talking about a 10 point, 15 rebound, four steal performance. And we're like, yep, that was the worst Oscars played all year. This is unbelievable. And this is yeah. why Sean, this is why he is the national player of the year, because we are nitpicking about a 10, 15 and four performance for Kentucky's superstar center. This is unbelievable. Yeah, the the two guys on that list that are a little different are Roderick Rhodes and Jared Prickett. Uh, the the others, you know, you kind of look and say, all right, it, it makes sense. But but Sheboy at his size, at his position, getting the steals that he's getting, I know that Cal mentioned tonight that they this team doesn't have that elite rim protector like most of his teams do. But when you're when you have your five man, you know, right, right towards the top of the league in steals, it it kind of cancels it out because. I'd actually rather have the guy that's getting steals than the block shots because a lot of block shots go out of bounds. A lot of steals lead to fast break and transition points for you. I, yeah, I think, and, and I guess that's kind of what makes Nerlens such a gifted shot blocker, and I guess just defender as a whole because all of his blocks he kept in bounds as well. That was kind of the gift that he had was was con- kind of controlling. Uh, controlling where his blocks were going, and he always kept it in bounds, and he had the steals on top of it. So defensively, the, he was just uh, on a whole different planet. But uh, we, it just kind of brings me back to that conversation we had, uh, I guess, a week ago or whatever, when they, the the uh, um, wooden defensive player of the year watch list thing came out, and he was up there uh, on that list, and everybody was like, "Why in the world is Oscar Sheboy on that list?" That's why he's on the list because he's a freak of nature on the glass and he's also breaking records uh in the steals department which should not be possible for a 69 265 pound center but you know what oscar shiboy isn't human and and he makes very inhuman things look human so uh just tip of the cap to oscar goodness gracious what a what a stud um all right let's keep moving down this list i, I was curious because we had that question about Savir Wheeler, Sean, uh, and you know why he's been struggling lately, especially from a scoring standpoint. And and again, Sean, zero point performance, zero for four from the field. He did have seven assists, but he also turned the ball over four times, had three rebounds, but he did steal the ball four, uh, uh, three times as well. What is it about, you know, the, just from from a scoring standpoint? What is Wheeler struggling with right now, and why is he not able to get put the ball in the hole? He, he's not getting those opportunities at the rim that he was getting a few games ago. Uh, you're seeing teams kind of shrink uh, the defense on him and and kind of you know wanting him to take that outside jumper. But credit to him, he's not falling for it. Like I actually think he's playing pretty good. I, I know his two game totals now. I think are sixteen assists, six. Six turnovers. I know he's got four steals. Uh, he hasn't hit a shot. I know he hit three free throws versus Vandy, but he, he didn't take many shots. Tonight. I think he took, what, four total for this game? Four shots, yep. Yeah, I mean, so old Savir Wheeler, Georgia Savir Wheeler would have sh- tried to shoot the ball 15 to 16 times tonight. Yeah, that's a good point. Instead, he bought into his role right now, and he's doing what it takes to to help to help his team. And You've seen Tata do the same thing when when he wasn't scoring. You saw Tata not take as many shots. He'd finish with six or seven points, four or five assists, and he he would do his role. I, I think Xavier is is doing just fine. Uh, I thought he was really good defensively tonight, uh, whether on the ball, off the ball, and just uh, 
really active. And I think it's encouraging to see that he's not forcing the issue. Even though he's not hit a shot in two games, he's not forced it. He, he had a smile on his face. He was energetic. And he, he helped his team win. And as, and as long as he's doing that, and you, you saw Jeff Goodman tweet about it tonight, the thing that makes Kentucky different is they have two dynamic guards. And even on a game where Sabir Wheeler hadn't hit a shot, or two games now, you still got a national media guy talking about how good Kentucky's guards are. That separates Kentucky right now. And uh, I think Sabir is, is bought into that. And I know Cal talked about it a little bit about him in the, in the post game. And the post game was very short, but uh, I think he's doing okay. I, I think he's going to break out and he's going to have an offensive game pretty soon because he was the guy there at Auburn and some of these other games, Texas A&M, that was kind of carrying them offensively. Yeah, in 10 points in the last three games, but he has combined for 24 assists in that stretch uh, in nine turnovers. So, yeah, I, I and, and he's been phenomenal defensively as well, too. So, hey, and, and that's significantly better point guard play than Kentucky had a year ago. So, preach, preach, absolutely. Yeah. I, so, I mean, that's why I'm not even worried about it because it's significantly better than what they had a year ago. And, and we know that, that that point guard play right there is good enough to win Kentucky games against really good teams. It was tonight. It's good enough to win you games in the NCAA tournament because they've got – when you got five people getting to double figures, it's okay if your point guard doesn't score a point, right? And especially when you're defending like you did tonight. Yeah, he's he's been – just it's just weird seeing that box score. Everybody that played a minute tonight scored a point except for Savir Wheeler, and even still, he uh, you know on the surface it might not look like he's he's doing all that well. But if you're watching the games, you you know that he's making an impact on both ends, especially uh, as a as a facilitator, as a playmaker, and as a defender. And uh, just gosh, th- this team is just unbelievable. And, and I think it's it's starting to set in with the national media, like what you talked about, where I, I think teams, I think, yeah, Jeff Goodman said one of the, uh, Kentucky is one of two teams in college basketball that he'd pick right now to win a national title. And uh, I, I think the the respect is starting to, to easily file in because you're, I mean, Kentucky's starting, starting point guard finished with zero points in an 11 point win on the road at Alabama where Kentucky now moved up to number three in the Ken Palm rankings with the number five offense and the number 11 defense. I mean, that's how good this team is, and that's how good they can be, is where you you can have your lead point guard finish with zero points in that type of environment and still the team perform as well as they did uh, in that setting. Just uh, This is what we talked about, Sean, that pregame show. We said this is a make-or-break type game. Uh, for not a make or break, but necessarily a, a, a resume building win if they were able to to do what they did. You predicted a 10 point win. So props to you. You you hit it almost right on the money uh, from a from a score perspective. You you predicted a 10 point win and they finished winning by 11 in that environment. So tip of the cap and, to you, tip of the cap to this team. Well, heck of a performance. And I'll say this too. I, I mentioned legs, you know, Alabama playing their third straight game versus top five competition do they start hot and then those legs start to go and as the game went along I think you saw Kentucky just continue to kind of extend that lead extend that lead Alabama starts falling uh, further and further behind they're three of 30 from the three-point line did the did the moment and just all this the last seven days become too much you know what happened at Auburn with Auburn the other night Auburn ended up winning that game by 19 Uh, Kentucky starts to push that thing away 
as well today. And then uh, I know we mentioned resume building wins. Kentucky now five and four in quad one opportunities. Still no bad losses on the schedule. Joe Lenardi bumps them up from number seven overall to number six overall as of 9 p.m. tonight. So we'll see where Kentucky falls at the end of the night. I mentioned Baylor today being one of those teams that could fall off that one seed line. Well, they lost at Kansas, a team that Kentucky just went out there and just dismantled. A week ago, Baylor falls all the way from, I think, the number three team in Lenardi's projection all the way down to number eight with that loss. Kansas sitting at number seven. So Kentucky right there, that win versus Kansas, that impressive win a week ago. Where does that kind of go on Selection Sunday? If you got Kentucky and Kansas fighting for the last one seed, Kentucky's in a very, very good spot right now is what I'll leave it at. And I will add that UCLA is currently in double overtime against a very bad Arizona State team, uh, and they are ranked number three overall in the uh, AP poll. So things could get a little a little spicy here uh, when the rankings are released on Monday, Sean. I, I think that we could see a top three Kentucky team uh, when when those rankings are released at, uh, on Monday afternoon. Yeah, we could. And now the story of the night, and now Kentucky's back down to 12th in adjusted defense. I mean, there's games still being played, numbers still coming in. But that number is getting to elite territory now. And we talked about this, how high – we know the offense is going to finish top 10 most likely, but how high could the defense get it? I know at one point it was close to 30. Yeah. A few games yeah. ago. Now it's up to number 12. It was number 11. It's starting to push. Is this going to be a team that's top 10 in both categories? I mean, you're looking at Gonzaga right now, number two in offense, number 11 in defense, Arizona, another team that's probably pushing for a one seed, number 11 in offense, number five in defense, Kentucky, number five, number 12. Those are the teams that you look at and think, okay, those are the ones that are good enough to win a national championship. Uh, not a, a Purdue, number one in offense, but 103 in defense. I don't think that that's the team that you're going to look up and see get to a Final Four and win national championship. I think it's going to be those teams that are efficient in both categories. The bracket's going to be total chaos. We know what it's going to do, but at the end of it, when the dust settles, you're going to look and you're going to have these most efficient teams in college basketball across, across multiple metrics there are going to be the teams that are uh, vying for a national championship. Oh, goodness gracious. Gets me all gets me all excited thinking about the possibility, Sean. It's a uh, this we 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 talked about this at, you know, Chin Coleman said that he wants both those stats being in that top 15 range. Kentucky now has that uh, in offensive and defensive efficiency, uh but I think statistically if you're if if you have both in that top 20 range statistically your chances of making a final four are exponentially higher in Kentucky Kentucky is now firmly uh in both of those uh rankings now after this win so uh, for for them to hold this Alabama team to 55 points that is their lowest since March of 2020 Sean their last game before uh covid ended that season that is the lowest point total they've had in in two full seasons um easily their lowest field goal percentage and, and three point percentage of the year. And, and even dating back to last season. So, I mean, goodness, it, just such a phenomenal defense performance, exactly what we were looking for. Wasn't the, um, you know, wasn't the track meet that Kellen Grady was rooting for and what we were selfishly hoping for. It, it would have been probably a lot more fun to have a, a hundred to 91 type win, but a, a 66 to 55 win feels 
uh, feels just as good now after the fact, knowing how they were able to do it and, and you know, the, the numbers that they, they put up and what they held Alabama to just, just a, an absolutely phenomenal performance from, from start to finish. So um, well done to the cats and we're going to keep on rolling. We're going to end, end it here. It's, it's now 1230 uh, in the morning and I have radio in the morning. So let's, uh, wrap this thing up from there uh let's uh one last message from our friends at prize picks the nba season is well underway and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at prize picks prize picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games prize picks is the perfect game for you you simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection price picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct download the price picks app or visit pricepicks.com and sign up using promo code pilgrim that's p-i-l-g-r-i-m to get an instant 100 bonus up to 100 on your first deposit don't forget that's the price picks app or pricepicks.com using promo code pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former kentucky stars to the next level sean let's get the heck out of here where can fans find your work uh you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country and jack uh, as you're reading that price picks ad i'm scrolling through facebook and sure enough, I see a prospects ad. <laughs> there we go. It, it, it's always listening, and it, it's some good stuff. I, I've been using using prize picks to go and uh, you know NFL playoffs. I've been dabbling here and there, uh, some college basketball games, some NBA games. So it's it's some really good stuff. It's the easiest. It's the the simplest way of doing it. Uh, I I wholeheartedly vouch for it. Uh, go go sign up with with prize picks using promo code Pilgrim. I promise you, it's some good stuff. I agree. <laughs> well, I agree. Uh, I was too busy actually scrolling through the app there. <laughs> looking at some things. <laughs> you can find my work as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam-packed Sources Say podcast. We will Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.